My Govanen. Welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel. This is the Tolkien Geek, and in this video, I'm going to be leaving behind the Lord of the Rings universe for a little bit and exploring some of Tolkien's other fiction, most of which are short stories. And in this video in particular, I'm going to talk about the Smith of Wooden Major. And for those of you who don't know, uh, there are several short stories that Tolkien wrote, and I'll be getting to each of them eventually, but in this one, uh, The Smith of Witten Major, it's kind of semi-autobiographical in a way. It's kind of uh, about the idea of encountering the realm of fairy story, or in, in the story itself, it's about encountering the world of fairy, which is kind of symbolic of Tolkien's own encounter with fairy story itself, and it, if you read it a few times, the first time it's just an interesting story that, you know, kind of appeals to you on a, fair, a short fairy story type of way, but the more you read it and the more you know about Tolkien, the more it takes on a deeper meaning, and I kind of want to get into that. So, let's get started. So the basics of the story of Smith of Witten Major is that Smith, and that's his name and his profession, appropriately enough, uh, at one, when he's a small boy, he lives in this village where there is a tradition that every so often the master cook, who, like everybody else, is basically falls into one of the old medieval trades, uh, makes what is called the great cake. And 24 children are chosen to partake in eating the great cake, and it has to be from a specific age range and all this stuff. He just happens to be one of the 24. Now, in this particular year, the great cook, completely unwittingly, because the great cook is basically an idiot in the story, uh, puts in a silver star, which just happens to be something that was taken from the land of fairy many years ago by Smith's own grandfather, who in his own day was the master cook. And the star ends up, of course, coming to Smith, who then... When he eats it, it doesn't. it's not a hard star, it just melts in his mouth. And then, because it's a magical star, of course, it ends up in his brow, of all places. And depending on circumstances, you can actually see it shining out of his brow. And the more interesting thing about that, there's two things, actually. First is, it kind of changes his, his overall personality. He ends up becoming a very elven type of person. He, you know, he randomly breaks out into song and sings rather well. The entire village notices this. He basically seems unburdened by life's, you know, worries and cares to, to a degree that only Tolkien's elves really seem to, to be in any of Tolkien's writings. And as he grows older, he finds that the star also allows him to enter the realm of fairy for whatever reason. Again, it, the, a lot of the detail in the story is left uh, kind of in the background for you to guess at. There's no real detail as far as that goes, but the more interesting things that happen are what he does when he's in the realm of fairy. At first, he makes short trips into the realm and, you know, encounters various things that either inspire him with awe or even sometimes fear, uh, and that kind of gets into the the semi-autobiographical nature of the story in that it's kind of representing Tolkien's own, you know, journeys to the realm of fairy in his own mind, so to speak. Because, I mean, if you read a lot of Tolkien, then you start to realize that a lot of his own writings, 
you know, from his own perspective, just kind of came to him. He didn't consciously develop them. I mean, for example, Faramir in The Lord of the Rings, he says in one of his letters that I didn't plan Faramir. He just came walking out of the woods in the middle of the story, and there he was. And so you get some of the same idea from Smith of Wooden Major. I mean, you get that that same sense that Tolkien is kind of trying to describe his own um, his own exploration of what it what it is to write a fairy story and and get involved in that kind of endeavor, and he's doing it through the telling of yet another fairy story, which on its surface just seems like sort of a children's tale. But the uh, anyway the. Smith ends up taking longer and longer journeys into fairy. He ends up meeting the fairy queen at some point, and there's a lot of mystery uh, and interesting tiebacks in the different parts of the story that go along with that. So, I mean, it ends up, it's for a short story, it's actually got a lot of really deep, uh, intricate plot to it. It's, it's really interesting to read because he fits a lot of material into a fairly short story. But the queen basically tells him, you may at some point meet the king, and because nobody's ever told him who the king of fairy is or where the king of fairy is, even though he wants to. And so he's uh, told this by the queen close to the end of the story, and at that point he kind of has the idea that he may never enter fairy again. Uh, and so the interesting part about that is then he goes back to his family and he meets on the road another character who plays a prominent role but it's not a an obviously prominent role and I don't want to give away the details because if, if you read the story I'm going to spoil a lot of material by telling you but this character ends up being the king of fairy and he basically takes the star back from Smith so as to put it in the cake again to go to somebody else. And again, this kind of represents the idea of Tolkien, you know, eventually he has to give up the fact that he's, you know, writing about the fairy world, so to speak, and he has to pass that on to somebody else in the sense that he dies. And in this sense that he, you know, he has to eventually give up in the sense that he dies is also mirrored in Leaf by Niggle, or Tree and Leaf, depending on which version you read, and I'll talk about that one in a, a video later. But, you know, the idea is that Tolkien is very much talking about his own experiences here. He's not being allegorical. He's not being... He, it's not even really symbolic. It's more just trying to get across the ideas uh, and the, the emotions that he has conveying those through a different story, and it's really interesting in that regard. And it's interesting as a story by itself, too. I mean, you can actually, uh, as a child, you could read this, and I mean, not not necessarily like a five-year-old. It's uh, Tolkien wrote in a style that's not really as conducive to five-year-olds in the modern day, but, you know, if you're 10 years old, you can read this and get enjoyment out of it just on the level of a story. But the older you get, the more you see the hidden meanings in it, and the more you start to realize that there's a lot more to it that you can connect back and forth and really put things together and it becomes that much more interesting. So 
that's kind of the overview of the story. Now I just kind of want to talk about a few more little details and then I'll wrap up. So like I mentioned earlier, in one of uh, Smith's visits to Ferry, in fact, the very last one, he finally makes it kind of into the deepest parts of the realm and he meets the queen. And one of the interesting things about that meeting is they end up having a really long conversation, most of which we're not privy to, because he just kind of skips over that. And then at the end, he points out that uh, the fairy queen was actually represented in the cake that Smith ate when he was a child as a kind of a statuette on the top of the cake. And he realizes that you know, they've kind of been doing a disservice to the realm of fairy all this time. And he kind of, he doesn't verbally apologize, but he kind of says as much with his eyes. And the queen basically tells him, you know, it's better that you retain some memory of fairy than none at all. And there's also a remark in there about, you know, the fact that I don't think it's so much an explicit remark, but you very much get the idea that what Tolkien is getting at here is that, Smith has been given this gift of being able to visit fairies so that a memory of fairy will be retained. And if you know a lot about uh, Tolkien and a lot about how his Catholicism plays into a lot of his writings, uh, for example, uh, Lord of the Rings, a lot of people see Galadriel as a uh, Virgin Mary type of figure. Um, there's some things that go against that, some things that go with that. I'm not going to give an opinion here, but the main thing is, you know, his, his Catholicism definitely does influence his writings in a lot of ways, and you can kind of see some of the same hints here in The Fairy Queen. You can kind of maybe grasp the idea that The Fairy Queen may also be something of a representation of the Virgin Mary, and there's nothing really explicit that gives that away other than the fact that it it's very, very hard to put your finger on it. But if you read it and you look at it through that lens, it seems to fit right. And so if you read it that way, it seems like Tolkien is kind of saying sort of what he says in his essay on fairy stories, which is that fairy stories are really all about trying to capture what the Christian story captures. And you know, you can disagree with that all you like, and I'm not trying to put forward one opinion or the other as far as whether that's valid, but it's interesting to connect the two and see how Tolkien is very much, has this very coherent view of what fairy stories are and life in general, basically similar to the view that Chesterton and C.S. Lewis have regarding fairy story, which is Fairy story is really all about conveying the truth about the world. And for all three, the truth was the Christian truth. Now, for Chesterton and Tolkien, that meant Catholicism. For Lewis, that was some form of Anglicanism. But they all believed in the central story of the crucifixion and resurrection. And it's really interesting to see how Tolkien, probably more so than both Chesterton and Lewis, really incorporates this entire view into a lot of his fiction and ends up turning it into a very central theme in a lot of his writings, fiction and nonfiction. And it's, it's interesting because of how coherent it is, much like if you just read The Lord of the Rings by itself, 
it's it's the whole world holds together very well. He's one of the few authors who's really put together an entire fantasy world where everything seems to hold together very well. He, all of his writing seems to hold very well, and you can start to see the theme running through the entire thing. All of his works, or at least a good number of his works, some of them not so much because they're a very different type, but the... Uh, the one theme that does seem to hold is that this is what fairy story is. It is a shadow of what, you know, the overall Christian story is, and it's trying to recreate some of that in a way that's not as explicit, basically. And you can get hints of this in Lewis and hints of this in Chesterton, but Tolkien seems to have taken it to a very, not quite explicit level, but almost to the very edge of being explicit. And certainly if you read some of his nonfiction on essay, uh, on fairy stories, for instance, it really does get explicit. So I think it's very much worth reading if only to kind of give you that broader view of this is how Tolkien is thinking and this is where a lot of his ideas come from and how that plays into a lot of his fiction. Because whether you agree with his Christianity or not, it still makes for a richer experience when you can see, you know, in The Lord of the Rings, for instance, how that ties in and how that creates different perspectives on things that happen in the story that you might not have thought of before. So, I mean, I think it's very much worth reading just from a literary perspective because it really does give you a different insight, a level of insight that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Now, just a few last comments about the story. It's a very short story. You can find it uh, as a standalone. I checked Amazon, and it's um, I could find one. I didn't look through every potential listing. But you can find one version of it that I found that is just Smith of Wooden Major. Most of the time, it's paired with Farmer Giles of Ham, which is another short story that he wrote. Sometimes it's also included with Leaf by Niggle, or again, Tree and Leaf, depending on which version you pick up. Uh, it gets combined with things most of the time because it is so short. So uh, the version I'm most familiar with, because it's the one I grew up with, is this one where it's combined with Farmer Giles of Ham. And that's what the cover represents, by the way, not Smith of Wooden Major. But uh, I highly recommend picking up a copy that has as many of those short stories as possible because each one of them is worth reading in its own right. Leaf by Nickel is a very, very short story, and it's it's the most autobiographical thing he ever wrote. And then Farmer Giles of Ham is actually kind of satirical, a satirical take on fairy stories, which is a, a, kind of like Smith of Wooden Major. It, you can read it as a young person and be amused by it, but you really pick up more of the the hidden meanings as an older reader. So I'm going to link in the description to a version which has as many of those uh, short stories and whatnot as I can. And then beyond that, that'll those will probably also be my next few videos. will be Farmer Jaws of Ham and Leaf by Niggle. And then I'll probably start getting into some of his essays, particularly on fairy stories, because that really does tie together a lot of what uh, I've been talking about in this video. And I don't want to get into too much of it now because that'll spoil the later video, but I'll be getting to that very soon, and then I'll probably go back to more Lord of the Rings stuff. So for now, I'll just sign out and leave you with that. Like I said, there's a lot more to the story that I don't want to spoil, because you do need to read it yourself.
And so I hope you do that. So that's Smith Wooden Major. I hope you go pick it up. It is very much an interesting read. Uh, if you like this video, uh, please like and subscribe below. Please also share with anybody else you think might be interested. You can also follow me on Twitter at JRRTLore. And until next time, this is the Tolkien Geek signing out for the Tolkien Lore channel. Namadiate.